What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. Hey everybody, welcome into the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I am Matt Verderam. Patrick Allen is out on vacation. He will be back next week, so I am flying solo today. Hopefully, you guys are still willing to put up with me. We have a good show for you. We are going to be talking about the regular season, about week one. It's nice to be talking about week one instead of just sitting here and talking about roster cuts. Talk about the preseason, sure, that's fine. It's not as good as regular season football. And of course, the Chiefs. We'll be visiting the Arizona Cardinals in the desert. I'll get to that. I'll get to what to watch for. A couple of matchups I think that the Chiefs can really take advantage of. We're going to get into all of that. Um, I'm even going to talk about a few matchups that I think are going to be interesting around the league, including one that involves two AFC West teams. But I wanted to talk at the start about football and just personally why I love football being back and I want to hear from you guys in the chat I want to hear from you guys if you're listening on audio leave a leave a rating uh and leave a comment as to why you love football being back so much and you know I've, I've written about this many times like I, I feel like this time of year I always get a little bit nostalgic and I think about when I was a kid and I started watching football and like why I got into it and I I think you know there's a lot of reasons I love football but I would say probably the number one reason is there's a certain attachment you have to the game that also goes to who you share it with. You know, for me, that's always been my dad. You know, my dad was the one who got me into football. I you know, I have memories watching football and dating back to when I was five. And, you know, I grew up in New York, as all of you, I'm sure, can can tell and already know at this point. But I remember watching the Chiefs, you know, whenever they played primetime games or when, you know, uh, NFL primetime came on, which was a huge, huge, huge thing. And you know, for me, that show was it was a life changer. I mean, literally, I, I wrote a whole long form about it. I talked to Chris Berman. It was one of it might even actually be my favorite piece I've ever written in terms of just enjoying it. But what I'm driving at is I think what I enjoy most about football is it's such a communal experience. And now, you know, doing this show every week with you guys um, is so enjoyable. And of course, now we do it a couple times a week. Well, we do it actually multiple times a week, but I, I do it with you Thursdays and Sundays, you know, stacking the box as well. If you haven't subscribed to that, by the way, you really should. What, what's wrong with you? Subscribe, stack in the box. But I think there's such a quality about football that doesn't exist in the other sports because basketball and hockey are every other day, typically. Okay. 
And baseball is every day. Like you, you can miss a week of baseball. Like, what the hell cares? Doesn't really change, right? Like, unless you're in the heat of a pennant race, it doesn't really change. Basketball, if your team's good, hell, you might as well not even check in until, until the start of the playoffs. Hockey, a little bit different, but same applies, right? Football, it all matters. Everything matters. Every game matters. Every single game matters. And it's so much fun about, you know, watching games in September and watching games in December. It all matter. Every single game is important. You know, some being divisional games and whatnot, more important maybe than others, but they're all important. You lose week one, you're behind the eight ball already, right? And unless you're one of the top, top, top teams, you're already thinking like, all right, well, now we got to make up ground because, you know, the wild card race is going to be hot and heavy, especially in the AFC. But when I think of football, like I think of, at least me personally anyway, I think of having a beer and having a having a bowl of chili or having a beer and having some pizza, right? Or, or back in the day before I could have a beer, you know, sitting down and, and you know, grabbing a – for me, actually, believe it or not, it was always like a yoo which is a big – Big chocolate milk drink in New York. I don't even know the Midwest if I can ever see it. But, you know, it was always like that and then sitting down and having some food. It was an experience. And it's all damn day, right? I mean, on the East Coast, you go from one to midnight, essentially. It's so much fun to really embrace it and get into it. And so, for me, I am so glad that football is back and the Chiefs are as good as they are. Look, when you have a team that's not good in football, like, you still get into it because it's football and you love it. But, you know, your expectations are, are lower, right? I mean. Your expectations are such, you're like, hey, man, I hope it works out. But, like, who knows? I think, you know, when you have a team as good as Kansas City, you are already thinking about how far can this team go? Can they win it all, right? Can this be the third Super Bowl appearance in four years? If they win a Super Bowl, is it a dynasty? Is, is it a dynasty? We're going three and four and winning two of them? It's arguable. And the other part about that I love is, especially being someone who you know, grew up a Chiefs fan, it's so fun when they're good and it's late in the year and you get that like opening shot on CBS and you look at it and it's, you can just feel the cold through the TV and the fans are bundled up and it's loud and the game means something and the field has that kind of frosty look to it. And that's football, right? I mean that like to me, I love like those weather games and it's snowing and it's, you know, it, all the elements it's, it's spectacular in its own way. Like it really is, you know, the elements don't factor into the other sports. They factor into football. And I, I just think it's such a joy to root for a team that's this good. And as, as Jack points out, as a Raiders fan is in the chat, is, welcome in, Jack. Appreciate you being here, man. Um, you're right. Like, it, you're right. The AFC West is stacked. And that's, I think, part of what makes this season fun. In fact, that's actually where I was going to go next with this. The AFC West is so good, so great, that you're going to have probably three teams make the playoffs, I think, even if they beat each other up a little bit. Man, it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, it's not one of these divisions where you just look at it and go, all right, well, these, you know, whatever. These other teams are a joke or two of these teams stink. I mean, sure, as a fan maybe of a team in the division, you wouldn't mind it. But just from the entertainment, it's awesome. These the best teams playing each other every week, getting after it. And so I am very excited for football to be back. I'm very excited about it. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now, but I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious. 
serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I did a spaces last night. You may have heard it. You probably didn't. If you didn't, that's fine. I did it late at night. I just felt like talking football. And I outlined some of the games I think are going to be the best games of week one. And while I won't go into all of them, because I, I mentioned yeah, the Cowboys and the Bucs, and that doesn't have much to do with the Chiefs, obviously. There was one game I mentioned that has a ton to do with the Chiefs. And that's Jack's team, uh, the Raiders, and the Chargers, week one. That game's in Los Angeles, okay? And the Chargers are favored by three, just a standard three at home. Those two teams, of course, played a classic last year, week 18, where the Raiders won in the final play of the game in overtime. And I am fascinated by that game because you're looking at two teams that have big expectations. A lot of people think the Chargers are Super Bowl bound, okay? Which I I hesitate on that. To me, you've got to get in the playoffs at some point before I'm putting in the Super Bowl. But they're really, really, really talented. Um, and then you have the Raiders, who – Look, I have doubts about the Raiders defensively outside the edge rush, but the Raiders are going to score a lot of points. The Raiders are going to put up a lot of points, and you guys all know I've said it all offseason. I think Carr's going to have a big year. I think Carr's going to have a really good year. I'm curious to see Josh McDaniels in his second go-around as head coach. He's got to prove it to me. But I do think the Raiders are going to be a talented team and a fun team to watch. Look, first things first, as Jack points out, that was literally what I was just going to say. That game's in L.A. That game's a home game for the Raiders. That place is going to be packed with Raiders fans. Okay, remember last year, the NFC title game with the Rams and Niners and the Rams did everything they could not to sell tickets to Niners fans. And it still felt like San Francisco. That's what it's going to feel like in L.A. week one. It's going to be a road game for the Chargers. And I got to say, I think the Chargers are the better team. I think they're the more complete team because I think they're better defensively. But if J.C. Jackson does not play in that game, which it does not, I don't say it doesn't look like he will be. He may not. He's out two to four weeks. That would be right at the beginning of the timetable if he can come back. If he's not there, that's a big effing problem for the Chargers. Because the Raiders say what you will, they've got weapons galore. And I look, if you want to say Derwin James is maybe the best in the league at guard and tight ends, he's proven that. Uh, you know, he's been great against Kelsey in his career. So maybe he can stymie Waller a little bit. But who the hell is guarding Devontae Adams? I love Asante Samuel Jr. He is not guarding Devontae Adams. That that's not happening. I I I can't imagine a world where Devontae Adams doesn't go off in that game if J.C. Jackson's not there, even if they're doubling. And then if you're doubling, who's guarding Hunter, Hunter Renfro, right? I mean, they the Raiders, the big thing is they got to hold up up front. they got to hold up at the line, right? I mean, that that's the big concern. Colt Miller's very good. The rest of that line is, is, is full of question marks. But I think it's going to be fascinating. And it's an interesting game because I will say this. Well, I do think the Chargers are better, and I know Jack asked me why you're in the chat. I think they're better, Jack, because I think they're they're better defensively. I, I, I think they're just more well-rounded defensively. I think offensively, you could make an argument that both teams can score 30 points a game. I, I think the defense and having a year under the coaching staff's belt, I think, matters. But all that being said, man, I think it's a really interesting – I think it's a toss-up style of game. And I will say this. That game is much more, much more 
important for the Chargers than it is the Raiders, and here's why. A, it's a home game for the Chargers. Okay, It's always more important if you're at home. Just like week two in the Chiefs play Chargers, the game's more important in a lot of ways for the Chiefs. But I will say this. Here's the other reason. The Raiders week two, they go home, they play the Cardinals, a team I think they should beat. Okay, Week two, the Chargers are at Kansas City on a short week, and it's, it's unknown at this point whether or not Jackson's going to play. If the Raiders beat the Chargers and the Chargers go into Arrowhead 0-1, the Chiefs take care of business as their favorite to do in Arizona, the Chargers are already facing a situation. If they lose that game, they're two games back and they've lost two divisional games. That's how quickly, that's how quickly things change. Like, I, you know, and, and I think that's why, like, if you're the Chargers, like, if you split those games, you can live with it. You can live with that. That's okay. Yeah, you, not only going to be sweeping the division this year. You can't lose both. And if you let's be honest, I mean, you have a better shot of winning at home against against the Raiders than you do at Kansas City. Not that they couldn't do it. They they went to Kansas City and won last year and they almost won at home. Okay, they 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 didn't, but they almost did. But I, I think that game is so much more important for the Chargers. Because I think the Raiders, like you'll lose on the road. Okay, fine. You bounce back, you beat Arizona, you're one on one, right? And that's where I'm gonna go into the Kansas City game. Okay. So Kansas City, of course, is at Arizona to start the year. That that line opened the Chiefs being favored by three. It is now up to four and a half in most books. The Chiefs are just getting more and more money thrown on them. I, I don't mind telling you straight away, guys. I, I think the, the Chiefs are winning that game. I made my picks game by game. It's already on the YouTube channel for Arrowhead Addict. If you if you listen to the Arrowhead Addict podcast and you haven't checked out the YouTube page, A, please do so on B, check out that video. It's it's a little lengthy, but I picked every game. I gave my reasoning behind it. Uh, I put a lot of thought into it. So the Chiefs go into the desert for week one, which I think is a blessing in a few ways. One, DeAndre Hopkins is not playing suspended the first six games. Their offense last year, if you watch the Cardinals, and if you just look at the statistics, was completely different without Hopkins. Without Hopkins, they could not throw the ball effectively. Not anywhere near what they did. Okay, I think a lot of that is, yes, Hopkins pulls coverage, but also Hopkins is a bailout guy, right? I mean, how many guys are better at him than hand fighting and going up and getting a football? It's hard. It's hard, and I look at I look at the Cardinals and say they're going to struggle without Hopkins because I don't think anybody on that team is a number one receiver. I mean, obviously Hopkins is when he's there, but when he's not there, who's your number one guy? Hollywood Brown's fine. He's not a number one guy. Okay, let's be realistic. I know he had a thousand yards last year. His efficiency was not ideal. They had to target him a million times to get him over a thousand yards. Okay, he's a number two receiver. Zach Ertz is a better tight end at this point than people think, but he's still at this juncture. He's a, a, a second-tier tight end. I think that's fair. He's a good player. Zach Ertz is still a good player, not a great blocker, but still a, a good receiver in the, in the passing game. And then A.J. Green, listen, had over 800 yards last year. A.J. Green still gives you something. But at this point, you know he's nowhere near number one. He's a decent number two. So you have a couple of twos. Rondell Moore, to me, is a three. And then you get into, you know, you get into Ertz. They, you know, they, they in the backfield, they have James Conner, a million touchdowns last year, but didn't even rush for four yards of carry. Their offensive line is average. I look at that game, and I just think it's going to be a very hard game for Arizona. They don't match up particularly well with the Chiefs. I don't think inside they're going to deal particularly well with Jones. Humphreys is a good tackle. Hudson, obviously, we all know, very good center, aging, but still very good. I think the right side of the line can be had a little bit, and I, I just – I think the Cardinals offensively in the game will have some success. I don't think they'll have a ton of success. On the flip side, I don't know that Arizona can stop Kansas City. By the way, it's the same reason I think the Raiders will beat them. I, I, I just don't think Arizona has the goods defensively. They drafted Zayvon Collins in the first round. They drafted Isaiah Simmons in the first round at linebacker. Neither guy to this point has worked out. They lost Jordan Hicks in, in free agency at linebacker. He's a good player. 
They lost Chandler Jones at edge. I know they have Marcus Golden. Marcus Golden's very good, but it, it's it's different when you got one guy or two, right? I mean, you can always chip one guy, and then you can – with the Chiefs offensive line, you're going to feel very confident in saying, look, if we – you know, if, if, if Golden doesn't beat you, who's going to beat you? J.J. Watt at this point I don't think is the guy who's beating you. So then you start looking at their secondary. Buda Baker is an amazing safety. He's a great player. The rest of that secondary is, is not particularly good. There's no number one corner on the Cardinals. There's no guy who you have to say, oh, that guy's a, you know, that guy's a lockdown guy. That, that guy doesn't exist in Arizona. The Chiefs, I feel, are going to spread the Cardinals out, and they're going to have their way offensively. And, and as Jack points out, they did just get Trayvon Mullins. Trayvon Mullins is fine. He's not a lockdown corner. Like I, Trayvon Mullins has played the Chiefs many times, but, and with due respect to Mullins, I can't think of one time where I thought to myself, oh, he's, he's become a real problem for the Chiefs. To beat the Chiefs, the same thing applies over and over and over and over and over. You have to be able to get pressure with four. You have to be able to do it. If you can't do that, you're losing. That has been true every single game of Mahomes' career. And for those who will say, well, last year in the AFC title game, that was a combination of the Bengals were able to get some pressure, but also really that was a game where the Chiefs just forced the issue to an ungodly degree. Now, if they do that again, sure, they can lose. But if the Chiefs just stay within themselves, I think it's a really, really, really hard thing for the Cardinals to, to accomplish. I just I just don't see it. I, I, I think the Cardinals are going to be in one of these games where they just can't get them off the field. you know. And it's also one of those things. So I said it was a blessing to get the Cardinals early. One of the reasons I said that was, you know, I'm not trying to knock the fan base because everybody's got good fan bases, right? Everybody's got fans that are really loyal and really into the game. But like some fan bases are, are crazier and louder than most, right? Always tough to go to mile high. Always tough to go to Seattle. Always tough to go to Pittsburgh, Green Bay, Arrowhead, the Black Hole, right? Those are always those are hard places to play. Arizona's not a hard place to play. I would think there's going to be a lot of Chiefs fans down there. And I just, I look at it and I say, you know, I don't think the Cardinals are going to have this huge noise advantage. Um, it's just, it's a hard, that's a hard spot if you're Arizona. You see no tape on this team. You have no idea how they're going to play. The Chiefs have the longest active streak of winning season openers. I just, I just think, look, ask yourselves this. Are the Cardinals better than the Chiefs on special teams? I think it's very fair to say the answer is no. They're not, they're not better, right? Are the Chiefs better defensively than the Cardinals? Yeah, the Chiefs are more talented defensively. And I don't even think the Chiefs, look, the Chiefs have a lot to prove defensively, okay? They have significantly more talent defensively than the Cardinals do. And offensively, I think everybody would agree, yes, the Chiefs are better offensively. So if you're better in all three phases and you got a better head coach, stands to reason you ought to win the game. All right, I am curious, and I'm sure we'll do a little bit of this next week, so if you want to hold back, that's fine. But I'm curious what your score predictions are for the game. And, of course, again, you know, we'll, we'll be – drawn down in this game next week as well. So if you want to hold them back, that's fine. But of course, we're going to talk about it. It's going to be interesting. though. I, I, I think it's going to be a fun game. I think you're going to see a lot of uh, airing it out on both sides. Uh, but I, I do think, I think the Chiefs will walk away with, with a win. And, and if you're into that sort of thing, I think they will cover as that line does continue to climb though. By the way, if you are not a member of the Arrowhead Attic podcast, you can join. You can join right now if you'd like to. It's $4.99 a month. Get badges, emoji. You can get Discord access. Talk to all the other members. Talk to the host of the show. Uh, especially now with the season ramping up, I'm sure there's going to be a ton of conversation in there. Fun way to stay engaged and involved. Um, so if you'd, like to, if you'd like to do that, that'd be great. If you don't want to do that, you want to keep things the way it is, the way they are, that's fine too. Uh, we're not going anywhere. You're still getting plenty of content. It's just extra content, just a little bit more. And it's really just joining the community on a little bit of a different level. All right. So 
I'm going to dive into three specific matchups in this Chiefs Cardinals game that I think are matchups that either favor Kansas City and I'll and I'll say which one I think they are or that are big big matchups that go either way. Okay. The number one, I just kind of outlined it. Um, still dreaming. Hey, man, thank you. Appreciate that. Look, number one to me is the Chiefs receivers against Arizona secondary. If Arizona is going to win the game, I think they're going to have to create a few turnovers. Um, I don't think they have to like three, four, but they got to get a couple. I think they got to get a couple. I also think that they're going to have to get off the field with some nice plays on third down. Like that, to me, whenever you're the team that I think is a little bit lesser, and I think the Cardinals are like drastically lesser, but I think they're lesser, okay? You've got to play really good situational football, right? Win the turnover battle, get off the field on third down, offensively convert on your third down, offensively cash in the red zone, defensively win the red zone. You do that, you're going to win a lot of games. So the Cardinals, I think the number one thing in this game which, again, I think the Chiefs have the heavy advantage here. The Cardinals have to be able on some level to hold up against Kansas City's receivers. Now, you don't have Tyreek Hill. That's a massive loss. Everybody knows that. We've talked about this all season. But the Chiefs now have a little bit more of an ensemble cast, right? You've got MVS. You've got Juju. You've got Harden. You have Moore. you got Kelsey. And then all the other pieces that come off the bench and play a little role here and there, right? Watson, Fortson, all the backs. The Cardinals have to win in that secondary and I say that because I don't think the Cardinals are winning with a ton of pressure in this game. Well, Kansas City's offensive line is one of the best. That's not a biased take. That's just reality. Kansas City's offensive line is excellent. Stacy, my guy, saying Watt versus Wiley. You know, Stacy, I hear you, man. I think the Chiefs will chip if they need to a little bit. But Watt just has not done much the last few years. I just – I agree with you. I hear you. Like That's the one that like, – Arizona, maybe you get rolling a little bit there. But I, I, I just think Watt just is – like if I'm the Chiefs, I'm not starting by chipping him. I'm not. Like He's got to prove to me i got to chip him, especially since Mahomes can see him. But again, I think personally that the Cardinals secondary, look, they don't have to play out of their minds. They've got to be able on third and seven to get a stop. They've got to be able to maybe get a hand in and bat the ball up you know, and get a pick. If they can't do that, and it's one of these things where the Chiefs are operating at like a 60% clip on third down, the game could get out of hand. So that's number one. I think the Cardinals absolutely unequivocally have to be able to make some plays in secondary. Number two, I'll go to the other side of the ball. Kansas City needs to make the Cardinals go the distance. And what do I mean by that? I mean, they can't give up big plays. Okay. One thing about Hollywood Brown, he's a home run threat, right? You can get the, and, and Murray's got a big arm. Murray can throw the deep ball. Green at this point is more of a possession guy. Ertz always has been a possession guy, right? Rondell Moore's got speed. You got to watch for him deep. But that's the thing in this game to me. Like you, defensively, you got to make the Cardinals go 10, 12 plays and give the Cardinals an opportunity to take a penalty, turn the ball over, drop a pass. Like, I, you know, make them, make them drive the length of the field and make them do it in a way where they're on the field for 10, 11, 12 plays. I think if that happens, it's, it's, it really tilts in Casey's favor. I think the Cardinals are going to need a couple of quick strikes in the game, right? In fact, give an example. So if you remember a couple of years ago, the, the year the Chiefs went to Super Bowl, lost to Tampa. The Chiefs played the Raiders at home. It was actually the only game they lost all year of, of any consequence. They lost in Week 17 to the Chargers when they played all their backups. How'd the Raiders win that game? I'm sure Jack remembers here in the chat. I'm sure he remembers. How'd the Raiders win that game? Just bomb after bomb after bomb. Right? I mean, that's all it was. And give the Raiders credit. They executed the hell out of it. They played great that day. But that, that, was the, that was the day they drove the buses around the stadium afterwards, you remember? 
that that was how they won that game. They just threw it down the field and they were able to get the big chunk play and it really it took the starch out of the Chiefs, right? It 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 just it became something where it was almost like a little bit of quicksand. I think the Cardinals are going to have to do that a little bit. Like if I'm Kingsbury, I'm going into that game thinking I need three or four explosive plays. I need a couple of bombs down the field. You know, big plays, 40 plus yards. And if I can get that, I can flip the game on its ear a little bit. If I can't get that, then then you start running into, okay, well, can I execute all these plays down by down by down by down? And that becomes a lot harder, A, for any team. B, with a team that I feel like has an average offensive line that's missing its best weapon, that becomes much harder. So I think that's a huge key. And then for Kansas City, the third the third key I would go to that I think is of paramount importance in the game. And this is a key every week, but I'm going to state it right off the bat. You absolutely cannot take a bunch of penalties and turn the football over. And I know that it's like, I know everybody listening is going, well, yeah, Matt, no shit. Like, obviously that's, but I am a firm believer in sports, in pro sports. And you can talk about any sport. Teams that don't beat themselves, that have average talent, will become good teams by literally just not beating themselves. How many, if you're all baseball fans in here, maybe some of you are, some of you aren't. Okay, I'm an Oakland A's fan, which just makes me want to throw up on a daily basis. Okay. But I watched a lot of those teams and they were good over the years. They never had the, you know, the stars the Yankees had, very, very rarely anyway. If they did, they ended up in the Yankees years later. But the one thing they always did, especially under Bob Melvin, their more, more recent manager, they caught the ball. They played defense. You know, they made the smart play. They didn't walk guys. They took walks. That stuff over the course of a season and the course of a game, it adds up. You know, you had a homer in baseball and there's nobody on base. Okay, fair enough. You walk two guys before that homer, it's a three-run homer, and now the game sw- swings drastically. And, you know, as Jay Ward points out and Jeremy points out, Dallas and New England last year, perfect examples. Dallas should have won that playoff game against the Niners. Absolutely should have won the game. They took 14 penalties. And during the season, they took a league-high amount of penalties. That stuff kills you in games. Kills you. Okay? And the Cowboys, by the way, for as good as they were, but, oh, they're 12-5. They were 6-5 and five outside of the rancid NFC East. The Cowboys were not that good. Okay, the Cowboys feasted on a bad division. And they went into the playoffs and got exposed immediately. And the Pats, who I would argue talent-wise are bottom 10 in the league, went to the playoffs and almost won the AFC East. They don't beat themselves. They won situational battles. For Kansas City, who's a very talented team, that's who you'd be a great team. You don't beat yourselves. You don't take penalties. You don't, you don't wipe out a 20-yard game because you had a holding away from the play. You don't, you don't cost yourselves because you fumbled the ball. I mean, last year, and who knows? Like maybe it makes no difference. They're the one seed if they don't turn the ball over the way they did early in the year. Early in the year, how many games? How many games did they lose because they fumbled the ball? They threw picks. It's somewhere on the home. Some were just balls that got batted up in the air by receivers who couldn't catch the ball. Okay. And, and there was both. Let's be real. Mahomes made some bad throws early, and sometimes balls went right through guys' hands. All right? That, to me, is the biggest key in the game. If the Chiefs don't beat themselves, they'll win the game. If they, if they walk out of there even or better in the turnover margin and they don't take a bunch of penalties, they win. And Sam points out that's what scares him about the Rojo signing, about Ronald Jones. It scares I agree. It scares me too, man. I, that's the one reason I did not like that signing. Fumbles. And I know people point out, well, Clyde Edwards-Alaire Edwards never had a fumbling problem. And then last year fumbled twice in two games. But I firmly believe that when you look at the way they're constructed, I think if the Chiefs don't turn the ball over and they don't take penalties, they're going to win 90% of the time. I mean, they're just they're too talented. 
even even if you think the defense is average or even below average until they prove otherwise, fine. With the quarterback and the offensive line, that team's going to win. I mean, that team's like the Colts used to be years ago with Manning. Where you just looked at him and you're like, I don't give a shit who's around them. It doesn't matter. They're going to win 13 games. Okay? It's, it's the same reason I look at the Packers. And everybody's killing the Packers because they trade Adams for the Raiders. And look, Adams is going to be great for the Raiders, and it's a loss for the Packers. They got Aaron Rodgers. They got him out on the floor. They got a good off, good and, and Bakhtiari's back, a great offensive line. Defensively, I think they're very good. Like the team's going to win a ton of games. The Packers are going to fall off the face of the earth. The team's not going anywhere. And as Stacy points out, and this is a good point, by the way. Vance Joseph, D coordinator for the Cardinals, plays a lot of man. It'll be interesting to see which of the new guys proves they can win on one on ones consistently. Yeah, you're right. The Cardinals do play a lot of man. They're, they can be aggressive. I wonder in this game, like, are they aggressive with Mahomes? I can't imagine they would be. Even guys who are blitz heavy typically back off of Mahomes. Like Greg Williams didn't with the Jets a handful of years ago, and the Chiefs, I think, just scored another touchdown. But that will be really, really interesting. I am I am fascinated to see how it how it shakes when you know you get into this thing and you start seeing, hey, look, Gay and Bolton now playing together uh, as starters for the first time. Obviously, they they've seen action for together, but as starters, as, as entrenched guys, key guys. Carl Loftus and McDuffie making their pro debuts. Yeah, I'm sure you're going to see some of Joshua Williams making his pro debut. Justin Reed, Chiefs debut. It's going to be fascinating. It's going to be very, 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 very fascinating to see how it all shakes. But I really, I look at that game, and I think if the Chiefs don't beat themselves, they win. And I think, frankly, with the Chiefs, that's most weeks. Not every week. Not every week. But most weeks, if they don't turn the ball over, they don't take a ton of penalties, they will win. And by the way, if you guys have any questions in the chat, I'll try to get to as many as I can. You know, it's a little. I'm gonna have a little bit of an open-ended session here. You know, toward the back end of the pod, since Patrick's not here, and I figure, what the hell, right? We're in the we're in the throes of the season, and I'm I'm happy to try to answer anything you guys have. And if you don't have anything, that's fine. You can keep rolling. So that's where I'm at with week one. Keys again, one, two, three. I think it's number one is the actually the last one. I said, don't turn the ball over. Don't take bad penalties. That that stuff number one, for, and that's about number one for me every week, but especially against teams I think that you should handle. Number two. Uh, you look at the Chiefs receivers against the corners. Uh, the Chiefs should win that matchup. That's a matchup that they should win, and it's a matchup. It's a matchup that the Cardinals at least have to win some battles in. The Cardinals don't have to decidedly win that. They do. They probably win the game. They got to win some of them. If they can't win some of them, and they're just getting roasted, I, good night. You know. And then I, I think, I think for the Chiefs, I think those the, the turnovers and the receivers. I think are the top two for me are the two that I look at and I go, all right, that's. That's probably, you know, where you want to be. And then third, again, eliminate the explosive plays. You know, early in the year last year, if you guys remember, and I'm sure you probably, probably painfully do, Chiefs give up a million big plays last year to start the season. Blown coverages, blown assignments, guys not athletic enough. Like the athleticism problem is is out the door. The athleticism problem, I don't think the Chiefs have to worry about. You said whatever you want about it defensively, okay? You could say that you think they're going to be good, they're going to be bad, whatever. All of it's fair, right? You can't say that they're not athletic. The Chiefs have athleticism coming out of their ears on defense, which is a stark change from where they've been over the years. So they've really relied on veterans and on, on, on that leadership, that guile. They've completely changed. They've completely, completely changed. Now they're young, they're athletic, they're fast, but they don't have that much experience. So now you've got to rely on, okay, we're going to gain experience. We've got to figure it out as we go. And I think I think that's really important. Anthony Taylor, by the way, says Chiefs are 21-3 and three against the AFC West. Look, the Chiefs. The Chiefs since Andy Reid, now since over the last four years, the Chiefs since Andy Reid has gotten to Kansas City. I mean, they, they just do not lose many, many games. Now, 
I will say this. I think this year the division's tougher than it's ever been. I think they're probably going to go like four and two in the division. I think that's fair. But that being said, if you go four and two in that division, you did pretty damn good. I don't. I don't think anybody's doing better than four and two. Let's put it that way. And I'm sorry, I'm looking away from the screen. I'm just scrolling through Twitter, making sure. And this time of year, you never know. You never know. The Giants just cut Blake Martinez, the linebacker, which is interesting. I don't think he's a fitness early for Kansas City, but that is surprising. Blake Martinez. Pretty damn good player, but I'll tell you what, that tells you what the Giants think of their team. The Giants are just moving on. They're moving on because, they, they, you know, Gettleman left them in just a ridiculous cap situation. My goodness. One of the worst jobs by GM I've ever seen. So, you know, you know, and actually here, so Jack brought up one thing I actually mentioned, wanted to mention at the beginning of the show, and I, I didn't. Shame on me. Big news in the division. Russell Wilson signing with Denver a five-year, $245 million extension. It's not bad. It's not bad if you get that kind of money. I'd take it. Fan side, you're out there listening. I'll take five years, 245. Yeah. I'll even give you the option on the fifth year. That money doesn't kick in until after the next two years because it's an extension. I have I have complicated thoughts on this. On one hand, and I think this, you got to lead with this. Like, What else is Denver going to do, right? Like, You just traded multiple firsts and multiple seconds. You traded Noah Fans, good young tight end. You traded Shelby Harris. I, I understand if you're Denver – I understand Fanside's coming in hard. See, they're, they're hard line negotiations. Fanside, for those listening, just put in no in the chat. I'll have to get my agent on the phone and see what she can see what she can do. Listen, that contract, if you're Denver, like what else were you going to do, right? You weren't going to like let him play out the two years and have him leave. That wasn't going to happen. That'd be a ridiculous trade. But it's got to give you some pause. You know, let's just call it what it is, right? It's my favorite thing in the world to do. Be honest. Russell Wilson has been good, not great the last year and a half. Now, you could attribute that to a lot of things. An injury... Seattle's offensive line is stunk. The team's declined. All true, all fair, if you want to go that way. But I got to tell you, he didn't play particularly well, not by his standards anyway, the last couple of years. Now he goes to Denver, where I would argue like, Denver's talented, but I don't know that Denver's like overwhelmingly talented. Let me let me pose a question to you guys. And obviously, if you're listening, you can just answer out loud and look like a maniac talking to yourself wherever you are. Who is a great player on Denver? Like a true, like a great player. Like, like for an example, like Devonte Adams is on the Raiders, right? Or, or Justin Herbert is on the Chargers, uh, you know, or, or a guy like Bosa, or on Kansas City, obviously Mahomes and Kelsey and Chris Jones. You know, that, like, who's who's a great player on the Broncos right now? If I had to give you the, answer, I, I mean, Justin Simmons, I think Sertan will be one. He's already very good. You want to, is Wilson great at this point? Does he qualify as great? Uh, you could argue. But I don't know that there's anybody on Denver. You're like, that guy is a clear-cut all-pro-level player. I think Simmons and then eventually Sertan. That's what I think. Like, those guys. I, I just, I again, I think if you're Denver, like, you had no choice. You're going to sign that contract. But that contract runs until he's 40. So he's 40. That's a long time. And that's a lot of money. And with, co- with quarterbacks, there's not a lot of funny money in there. Like, they could probably get out of it a year early. The structure and, and the cash flow hasn't come out yet. But, like, you're you're talking – you're talking just it's a lot of money. I don't blame Denver. I get it. But you got to at least be a little bit nervous. I see, by the way, Patrick Allen, who's on vacation, drops in. Uh, says, gives my condolences to my co-host on the ongoing futility of the New York Knicks. Thoughts and prayers right around. Go Cavs. First of all, I hope you're enjoying your vacation. Second of all, go to hell. That that all said is a long-suffering Knicks fan. For once in my life, I actually don't blame them. I actually, for once in my life, like I actually don't blame them. Normally, I think they're a dumpster fire and they do everything wrong. And if you guys follow me on Twitter, you know I'm happy to just kill them at a moment's notice. I actually don't blame them for not giving up three unprotected picks. Now, we don't have to get into the Knicks on a cheese pod, but I I actually, for one, like, I would have been 
effing furious if they had traded R.J. Barrett. I would have lost my shit. So that being said, Patrick, go back to your vacation. Uh, and I, I hope the Cavs are terrible next year. Your, your team's capped out, and you're going to finish like seventh in the East. My team, however, not capped out, but we'll finish like 10th. So we'll both be in deep pain. All right. So bottom line on Wilson, look, I, I think he's a, I think he's a borderline great player at this point. I think he has been great. I think he'll be a Hall of Famer. I, I'd vote for him. Um, I just wonder with that contract. Again, you got to do it. What does it look like? And maybe if you're Denver, if you win a Super Bowl next three, four years, you don't care. Fair enough. All right. Let me uh, let me try to get let me try to get uh, to a few of the other questions here. Will's asking, do you think Lamar Jackson still looks at Watson's guarantees based on similar age profile compared to Will's? Great question. Actually, you've done a few spots today about this, and I'll, I'll say what I said on those spots here. So Russell Wilson is going to be 34 this, this season. Lamar Jackson is 25. There is a massive age gap. There's a couple contracts worth of an age gap there, no question. But I think this Russell Wilson deal was a was a tiebreaker because in this offseason, you've seen Kyler Murray get paid, you've seen Deshaun Watson get paid, and they had identical contracts in terms of term and overall money. One of them got a fully guaranteed deal, Watson. The other one got 160 guaranteed, Murray. Well, we saw the, the tiebreaker, and it looked a lot like Murray's deal. So for me... I think, personally, it really hurts Lamar's chances. Now, I do think Lamar, if they come to a deal, will get more guaranteed money than Wilson, and I think he should because of his age. He's been an MVP, but I think it hurts him. I think it's really hard now for him to go in there and say, yeah, I need a fully guaranteed contract. He may hold that line. He doesn't have an agent. It's up to him. He may hold it, and fair enough. I think it's hard. I think it's really, really hard. I I just just don't see – I just just don't see him getting a fully guaranteed contract in Baltimore at this point. Um, Jack's asking any ideas on caps on every AFC West team. I'm guessing you're asking just how many games I think it's like tops he could win. Well, Jack, I don't know if you'll like this answer. Maybe you will. You won't mind it. I think for Denver and the Raiders, I think it's probably about, I, I think the absolute bet, like 10 or 11 wins, just a hard division. It's a really hard division. I think the Chargers, it's 11 to 12. And I think the Chiefs, it's 12 to 13. I honestly do. I honestly do. Uh, you know, and flame, flame me all you want for it. I, that's how I feel. But I think, I think I will tell you this, though, Jack. I think every single one of them can make playoffs. And I think every one of them can win a game in the playoffs. I, I, I really believe that. I think it's the best division I've seen in a really, really, really long time. All right, let me try. Uh, I just want to make sure I'm not missing people's questions. Um, I'm trying to keep an eye on it. But then, then Patrick comes in and starts talking shit about the Knicks. And, hey, I, I, I mean, who the hell can blame him? But uh, had to be had to be uh, discussed. Had to be said. It would be on the Tyreek Hill podcast. Uh, Ready Whip is saying, I'm a little behind, but my question was, do you feel like the coaching staff learned their lessons from last year? Ready Whip? No, I do not. You know why? Because nine years of evidence with Andy Reid, who's going to walk into Canton one day, says that Andy Reid is not going to run the football because he doesn't want to run the football because he wants to throw the ball and they want to win their way and they're going to lose their way. I have had conversations with people in the NFL, you know, personnel people, other coaches, just literal conversations, just just chatting, not nothing, you know, not, not any like source report stuff, just having a conversation. You know, like you would at the bar in Indianapolis at the Combine or the Senior Bowl, stuff like that. Andy is regarded as one of the better people in the league and as an unbelievable coach. I also think that from those conversations, people feel like he's a genius offensively, but sometimes he gets in his own way a little bit. And I would agree with that assessment. There's nobody in the league who's a better play caller, who's a better designer of plays. I mean, Andy does stuff that is unbelievable. And you know it is because it's copied by everybody in the league three weeks later, okay? But Andy has what a lot of geniuses have, and I do believe he's an offensive genius. Sometimes he's too smart for his own good. Like, I, I guys, I rail against his play every single time, and it gets me going every single time. That, that fucking third and one play with Blake Bell in that Buffalo game. I mean, that, that's got to be the dumbest play I've ever seen in my life. You have Patrick Mahomes, McKinnon's rushing in the playoffs at that point for about five and a half, six yards a clip. 
and your idea was let's run a speed option to the short side of the field with Blake Bell. I mean, like that's one of those things. If they lose that game, you're never forgetting it. And then, of course, in the AFC title game, look, people get on Mahomes, and that's fine. Mahomes played like crap the second half of the game. He'd be the first one to tell you that. I put that game more on Andy than I do anybody else. That game never should have got to that point. It was horribly coached from the last play of the second quarter all the way through. And I, so no, I don't, I don't feel like they've won that one. There will be one or two games this year where we are on here, win or lose. And I am screaming at them because they have no ability to have any balance. And I'm losing my mind because they just ran the ball 12 times in a game that they were never trailing. And sometimes, you know what? It'll work. It'll, it'll work. Okay. There, there are times, there are times where you're going to sit there and say, Hey, look, man, Mahomes is just gunning it all day. And on days like that, like that, that game actually against Buffalo in the playoffs, you just put the ball in his hands. And you let him throw. Mahomes is God in cleats, okay? When that guy's got it all humming, I don't care if they run once. But when you get in these games where teams are dropping eight and they're dropping, and, and you can run the ball, and you have that offensive line, yeah, you got to run. But do I think they're going to? What evidence is there? So, no, I don't. All right. Stacy, by the way, uh, drops in the Cardinals' corner. Antonio Hamilton placed in the reserve non-football injury list due to a cooking incident. It's not something to see every day. That's unfortunate. Hopefully he gets better soon. But, geez, that's, uh, that had to hurt. Not Not ideal. So let's see. Tilly Train is asking, uh, how does the team replace their whole coaching staff and get a new QB and then expect a Super Bowl team for the first year? I don't get the optimism in Denver. Tilly, I'm kind of with you. Like I, I've said many times on the pod, both here and at Stack in the Box. In fact, I just talked about this with Lindsey Rhodes of uh, DirecTV over on Stack in the Box, which, by the way, and I'm not saying this to plug this. I genuinely mean this. Uh, really, if you haven't, go, go to the Stack in the Box YouTube page and check out what Lindsey had to say. She talked about the Chiefs as well. Lindsey was awesome. One of, the, one of the most intelligent people I've ever spoke with about football. I, I could have talked to her for hours. But I'm kind of with you. I've gone back and forth on Denver. I've gone back and forth on, like, I think they're 500. I think they can win 11 games. I think they're going to be right on the edge of the playoffs, right on the bubble. I, whether or not they make it, I don't know. I, I'll say they make it. The problem, again, that I have with Denver is, like, I, even to be fair, like, even with the Raiders, the Raiders have an identity, right? You know what the Raiders' identity is. They're going to they're gonna sling it. They're going to throw the ball. They're going to try to win with smart route concepts coming over from New England. Like that, that's what they are. And they're going to get after your ass with their pass rushers. That's what the Raiders are going to do. Now, is that enough? We're going to find out. We're going to find out. It's case be made either way. But my point is, you know exactly what they are. You know exactly what they are. And, they, and so do they, more importantly. You know the Chargers. The Chargers want to come out, man, and they want to sling the ball. And under Lombardi as their OC, I don't agree with this plan, but they throw a lot of you know quick completions. They get the ball to Herbert's hands. I think the Chargers should be more aggressive down the field. We'll see if they make that adjustment this year. But you know that's what they are. And then defensively, look, they're a team you can run on, but they're really good against the pass. That's who they are. The Chiefs, you know exactly what they are. They're going to throw the ball. They're going to spread you out. They're going to get downfield. They're going to be creative on offense. Okay. And, and, and it all comes down to 15. And then defensively, look, they're, they're a situational team. they they got to get a stop on third, stop in the red zone. That's what they are. I have no idea what Denver's identity is. I don't know. Are they going to be all about Javante Williams and running the ball and Wilson's throwing 25 times? Are they going to be open it up? And even though Tim Patrick's not there, let's party? Like, I agree with Jeremy. Tim Patrick is a big loss. It's a big loss. Jerry Judy's a nice player. Jerry Judy's never had 1,000 yards. Like, I like Cortland Sutton, but I don't know. I mean, he's a good player. He's not a great player. They don't have a tight end, I believe, and their offensive line is average. Defensively, I personally believe they take a step back without Fangio. Who on that defensive front seven here? That guy's great. Chubb's really good. He's hurt a lot, but he's good. Gregory got paid $70 million. The man has 16 sacks in his career and is about to turn third. Like, I'm sorry. I, I can't get there. Like, I think defensively, they're all right. Their underlying metrics last year said that they were not good defensively even last year. 
I just think Denver, there's nothing that I look at with them and go, that's what they are, and that's why I believe in them. I think that's a problem. You have to have an identity. You have to have an identity. And I, I don't know what that is for the Broncos. I think they're I think they're good. And I think, by the way, early in the year, let me just say this right here and now, Denver and the Chargers are going to get off to really good starts. Okay? You mark my words. Remember this. They will both get off to really, really good starts. Denver, the first two weeks, play Seattle and Houston, and their first eight games are a cakewalk. Okay? The Chargers, they do have the Raiders. They have the Chiefs to begin. They have another game in there. I forget what it is. Fairly difficult, but their schedule is not that hard. First eight weeks, the Chargers and the Broncos. The back half of the schedules are brutal, especially Denver. Denver's schedule at the end of the year might they better be good, or they're going to be losing every week. Okay, the Chiefs. It's the inverse. The Chiefs' schedule is really hard early, and not that it's easy after the bye, but it gets easier. Tennessee, who now, by the way, is without edge rusher Harold Landry, who had twelve sacks last year, towards ACL today in practice. Very unfortunate. Hopefully, he gets back and he's back to where he was. But they're not particularly dangerous, in my opinion. I, I think that team's going to take a big step back now, even a bigger one without Landry. Jacksonville, you get them at home. I think they're better, but at home, the Chiefs ought to handle business. Seattle and Houston, back-to-back in December. The Chiefs should win those games going away. Denver at home, the Chiefs should win that game at home. right? I mean, the Chiefs' second-half schedule is not crazy. It's not easy, but it's not crazy. I expect Denver and the Chargers to jump out in front in this division. Everybody would be going nuts. And then by about week 15, you're like, oh, uh, right. They've fallen back to the pack a little bit. That's how I feel. Um, and if, they, if those teams don't get off the hot starts, good night. Because they will get lapped by Kansas City and maybe even by the Raiders. Maybe even by the Raiders. So I, I think that's that's where it's going to be interesting. Jack says, uh, let's talk to talk. Raiders, best offense in the AFC West, period. Casey might be number two now. Chargers now might be better. Raiders, the third worst defense. Casey is absolutely last in defense. Jack. I appreciate the hell out of you, man, for being here. I really do. You and I are going to disagree a little bit on this one. The problem I have with the Raiders, look, I, I'll say this. I think the Raiders are the best weapons in the AFC West. The best weapons. But the difference for me is Mahomes and that offensive line are are just, and, and I don't say this as a slight on Carr, because I actually really felt Carr is underrated throughout his career. But Mahomes is just, he's the best quarterback in football. And then on top of that, you have what could very well be the best offensive line in football. The Raiders' offensive line scares the hell out of me. If there's one knock on Carr that I think is overblown, but at the same point, it, it does exist, if you can hit him, it becomes a problem for the Raiders. And you're going to hit him this year. I think if you're the Raiders, you're going to have to do some different stuff. You're going to have to keep guys in. You have to do with the pocket. Like, th- that is going to be an issue for them, in my opinion. I like I like the offense of the Raiders. I think they will score a lot of points. But I, I, I do not think they have a better offense in Kansas City, and I do not think they have better offense in the Chargers. I think they have better weapons. I don't think they have better offense. Defensively speaking, the Chargers, I think right now, you got to see on paper at the best defense. After that, I got to disagree with you, man. I think the Raiders are the worst defense in the, in the division. They just, I have no faith in anybody outside the two edge rushers and Denzel Perriman. None. None. I, show it to me. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong, I'll be the first one to throw my hand up and say, give them all the credit in the world. But I got to see that. I got to see that. I just, I just can't get there. Defensively, I think Crosby is awesome. Awesome. I've loved him since his rookie year. Jones is an upgrade over Ngakwe, but I, I think I think defensively they're going to struggle. I do. Maybe I'm wrong. We're going to find out, right? They're going to we're going to find out early because they the, the Raiders first two weeks, Chargers, Cards, same for the Chiefs, just in the other order, of course. So we're gonna we're gonna see how it all shakes. All right, guys, coming up on almost an hour. Once again, if you haven't already, please go ahead subscribe to the Arid Attic Podcast. Become a member. It's four ninety nine a month. Uh, you you get. 
access to all different kinds of things, including the private Discord channel, which we have little happy hours here and there. We have fun. We get on there. We talk shop. Now's the time to do it if you're ever going to do it because season's coming. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Can't wait. 325 Central next Sunday. Get those butterflies going. I don't know about you guys. Look, I cover this league for a living. I've been a fan my whole life. Seven years ago, I became a full-time professional and really you know, four years ago, became began covering the league, like with like the source angle and all that stuff, and like reporting on it, and having people I talk to in the league. And I always say the same thing. People, I've had people ask me all the time, "How could you be a fan of a team and report honestly and unbiased?" And I tell people all the time, "It's easy. When I write, when I report, when I talk to people in the league, I am I am not a fan of anybody. I cannot be. I can't do my job. But I'll tell you right now, when I'm watching the games. Yeah, I'm I'm a fan of the Chiefs, and I'm a nervous fucking wreck during the games." And that's never going to change. The day that changes, I'll retire. I'll do something else. This is what it's all about. This is football. It's fun. But I'll tell you what, next Sunday, I won't eat one damn thing before 25. I'll be too nervous. It's how I roll. All right, listen, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Aerodatic Podcast here. If you haven't already, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button. Thanks for everybody being here. Also, check out my podcast, Stack in the Box. I can't tell you how much content we have coming. My job role has changed the fan-sided. I no longer have to edit. I am I am doing nothing but Arrowhead Addicts stacking the box and reporting on the league. We're, we are going to put up an ungodly amount of content, more shows, more streams, more video clips, more shorts. Subscribe to Stacking the Box. Subscribe to the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. You will not be disappointed. We're going to have a lot of fun. I cannot wait. Best is yet to come. Thanks so much for listening. I am Matt Verderam. We will be back on the Arrowhead Addict Podcast next week, week one of the NFL season. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.